Welcome to the first Driving You Crazy podcast of 2017. I'm your Traffic Guy host, Jason Luber. And I'm Joseph Peters, the overnight producer here at Denver 7. Jason, I hope you didn't get caught up in the foot traffic down near Union Station on New Year's Day. No, I did not. I don't do New Year's. I, I um, Here's what I do. I have an IPTV, and I watch the IPTV, and what I do is I watch the fireworks from Hong Kong and Dubai and London and Rio, all that sort of thing. I'm telling you, the London fireworks this year, unreal. They use that, whatever, that uh, that Ferris wheel thing, that circle there okay. on the river, right? The right London by Big Eye, ben, right? Right by Big Ben. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Unre- it could be one of the best fireworks displays I've ever seen in the history of, of any of the fireworks displays I've ever seen. Okay. High it was praise. It was unbelievable. Uh, I did the Times Square thing for the millennium, so I've done big New Year's. I don't need to do big New Year's anymore. 10-4. I feel exactly the same way. I am perfectly comfortable on my couch where I can see every single bit of the fireworks with none of the commotion. Exactly. No matter how many times uh, we're asking, we ask people not to go out drinking and driving, they still do it. Hundreds and thousands of people still do it every day. So how do you know when you're too drunk to drive, Joseph? You have your five-year-old hold your cup of wine for you. And to make it worse, the wine was in a child's sippy cup. Dateline Cincinnati. While responding to a report of an erratic driver speeding and hitting a curb, police say they saw Elizabeth Louise Floyd, 27 years old, cross the center line. She told police that she handed the sippy cup of wine to her five-year-old boy to hold when she saw police were pulling her over. Her blood alcohol content just a bit above the legal limit at .169 and was charged with endangering children and a DUI. I'm not trying to condone what she did, but she could have just put it in the cup holder, right? She did not have to hand her child a bottle of wine. No, I guess she didn't have to do that. But some, you know, she had to do something with the wine she was holding, which I think was the bigger issue. Well, she's going to have to get a bus pass going forward. In the press release file of the week, uh, the company called Yak Tracks, which makes a variety of traction and warming products, apparently, has this new study dealing with the nation's slipperiest cities. U.S. adults were asked which cities they have lived in or visited in the previous five winters, and of those cities were asked to rank how slippery the sidewalks were during snow or ice events. Detroit, Michigan comes in number one, probably because they don't have enough money to pay people to shovel the snow off the sidewalks. Ouch. They are the nation's slipperiest city. Uh, Buffalo, number two. Hartford, Connecticut, number three. Columbus, Ohio, number four. And Chicago at number five. Denver, out of 19 cities, comes in number 18th. Oddly enough, no Phoenix, no Las Vegas on this list. That is surprising. How did they not make the Or Los Angeles or San Diego either, right? <laughs> or Cancun, for that matter. <laughs> Yaks Tracks added in the press release that according to the recent data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, more than, get this, 800,000 people are hospitalized every year, hospitalized every year, because of a slip or fall injury. Can I tell you, I walk to work every day. It's one of my greatest passions in life. And I'm telling you, man, that's how I'm going to go. Is just slipping on slipping on the sidewalk and landing smack on the back of your head. You know? I always I, I fear that I'm going to slip and then like do a trip and then and run out into traffic and then bam a bus gets me. What it is so on the sidewalks? What it is just to jump on my soapbox for a second is they in Denver they plow they shovel the sidewalks from both sides and they meet in the middle eventually and all and the both competing sides create a pile of snow wherever they both happen to meet. So what you wind up with is you're walking northbound on Spear, and all of a sudden you see a pile of snow just sitting in the middle. That's in the middle of the sidewalk, and it's not going anywhere, and you can't go around it. You have to go over it. 
every single person has to go over it. And then when the snow starts to melt, that mountain of snow doesn't disappear. It just gets smaller and slipperier and creates little speed bumps that are icy in the middle of the sidewalk. Terrible experience. I wish Denver would do something about that. You know what? We should. Uh, that's a driving you crazy right there, Joseph. A walking you crazy, Jason. A walking you crazy. Well, the big traffic story this week was the switch in the state's HOV lanes on January 1st, going from HOV 2 to HOV 3. In other words, the HOV lane now is going up by one person, so the driver plus one to the driver plus two. You can't just ride with your friend. You have to have two people, other people besides the driver in the car. Terrible news for married people. Yes, it is. You're right, it is. And you might be asking, why is CDOT doing this right now? Because the lanes are far from being crowded. Well, they say it's to provide a constant level of service and an open lane all the time. I say it's to collect more toll money to pay for the road. So let's hear from Megan Castle. She is the CDOT spokesperson for the express lanes. So this decision was made in February of 2013, so nearly four years ago. CDOT's Transportation Commission um, said as of January 1st, 2017, the HOV3 change is going to go into effect. And the reasons behind that are that we're looking at short-term and long-term trip reliability. So we know we have a lot of population moving here to the state. Okay, wait, and- wait, wait, wait. Stop there. Sure, they're moving here, but not all of them are here yet. And they're not all using the HOV lanes yet and clogging them to the point where they're gridlocked with traffic. That's not a reason at this point to make this change to HOV3. Okay, uh, resume soundbite. We are seeing our population projected to nearly double by 2040. Wait, 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 wait. 2040? 2040. That's in more than 20 years from now. So let's just just do it now, right? Let's just do it ahead of the population boom. Let's just get out in front of this thing. Oh, dear. All right, let's uh, resume soundbite. By using HOV3, that can allow us to make sure that reliable travel time is being hit. Now, secondly, the other part that's always been a part of this plan is the financial aspect. The financial planning has always included the switch to HOV3, so we have more cars that are paying to be in that lane. Okay, that- okay, stop. More cars paying to be in the lane. That is assuming, assuming that all drivers who were using it for free because they had two in the car will now all of a sudden decide that they want to start paying for the lane. No, sir, it's not going to happen. This is flawed thinking. When you tax something, you get less of it. And they will have fewer drivers using the lane because the drivers who can't find another friend to put in their car will just stop using the lane. So we're going to have fewer people in that in that lane. And, and she admits later that they actually believe the number of people who will use the express lane as HOV will get this dropped by half. Ugh, it sounds like they're getting some real bad financial advice here, Jason. <laughs> okay, on, uh, onward with the rest of the soundbite. That toll revenue is used to offset the op- operations and maintenance that are always ongoing costs, and then also to help pay for the loans. Like on North I-25, we had to take out a loan to add that infrastructure. So it's been a part of the financial plan, and it's also a part of the the trip reliability. Okay, I wonder what the interest rate on that loan is and how much of the money is actually going to pay the interest. But really. Uh, you know, Megan, uh, she mentions at the end of the at the end there, the trip reliability aspects. Now, there are specific metrics designed to measure what is good trip reliability in the express lanes. Now, basically, it means keeping the lane uncongested enough to have free-flowing traffic. Plenary Roads Denver, that's the company that runs and maintains the U.S. 36 express lanes as well as the express lanes on I-25 all the way from Highway 36 uh, into downtown Denver. Now, CDOT operates the lanes north of Highway 36 on I-25. In the Plenary Roads contract with CDOT, 
There were five scenarios for the HOV lane to change from two to three. They go into the number of days traffic is delayed or the number of times the average speed is under 45 or how often the HOV volume is above a certain level or here's the kicker. Here you go. A predetermined date. Bingo. There it is. We have a winner. The predetermined date of January 1st, 2017. So all the other stuff is irrelevant at this point. I wish they would be just more honest and say, four years ago, a predetermined date was set by the company that's going to run this thing because they want to recoup their costs. And that date's January 1st, 2017, in order to collect more of the toll revenue. And that's why we did it, period. That's what I wish they would say. But they didn't. Uncongested travel is not an issue and probably won't be for years and years in the express lanes. It just won't. And and the pricing is high enough to keep most of the drivers out. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's why projections are wrong on a regular basis. You know, what if we don't get the population? Boom. Then all of a sudden we have this HOV3 express lane. Then we never really needed to make an HOV3. And they're not going to go back. No. No, once you go forward on something like this, you never go back. And there was talk even if it did get congested, even after HOV3, it would go to HOV4. So only minivans and buses? I'm... Yes. Okay. All right. Well, here's Megan again. We have contractual obligations with RTD to make sure that their buses can travel at a certain speed. And also, if you pay to be in that lane, you want to get what you pay for. So even if you're a carpooler, you want to get what you pay for and get in a certain speed. So traffic is increasing here. I don't know if we've actually hit or crossed that line that line that she mentions here are the scenarios to make the move to HOV3, but since we've already reached January 1st, 2017, uh, the metrics don't matter anymore. Oh, and, and another thing, carpoolers don't pay anyway, so they're happy to drive in a lane that's moving faster than what's happening in the general purpose lanes right now, right? All right. For advice on how to handle this, here's Megan again. Well, CDOT knows that this is going to be difficult for people who've been used to carpooling. So if you want to find a third passenger, join a van pool, go on RTD, ride the bus. These are options that you can try. And we know it's going to be difficult. So we want to make sure that you can figure out what works best for you. So when I can't find a third person, then the next best option is saying, Hey, screw it. I'm going to get on the bus. That's not going to happen. About a few years ago, I started online dating, and everybody thought that I was weird because I was jumping into that pool, but I felt very brave. And I tell you that to tell you this. I think it's extremely weird to go to the RTD website and try to find a third person who happens to be getting off the same interstate exit that I get off so I can jump in a van with them every single day. That seems like a recipe for disaster on a number of levels. You know, and she mentioned in the other bite, that the RTD needs to move at a certain speed all the time. Well, RTD told us that they have never notified CDOT that its buses are running behind schedule due to express lane congestion. Well, and that's what's so galling about this whole conversation is that CDOT is throwing out false flags. I mean, we talk about RTD buses aren't moving fast enough. Well, they are moving fast enough. You talk about congestion. Well, there isn't that much congestion. You know what I mean? It's all these things that aren't actually problems that we're trying to fix by... HOV3. And that, so it all goes back to we want more people driving in that lane to pay for it. But mm. they just don't come out and say that right. initially and just say that's the way it is and that's what we think. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's say the HOV2 people are just going to keep driving in the lanes and, and just fudge that they have three people in the car. The state patrol says they are going to increase their enforcement. This is how they're going to do it. All right. When, when you have that, there's a switchable transponder you're supposed to have on your car. And you can switch it from toll to HOV. Now, it causes, when it's in the HOV uh, selection there, 
it causes this blue light to illuminate when you drive past one of these scanners right there at the toll area. On US-36, the median right near those scanners, it's wide enough and it's protected by barriers for a state trooper to park, watch traffic. And if the light turns blue, then the trooper is supposed to look into the car and determine if there's uh, two people or now three people in the car there uh, so you can use the HOV. They better have good eyes to count three people at 65 miles an hour. There's no. And what if somebody is in the happen. back that's laying down? You get pulled over for no reason. Um, but let's say you have two kids in the back that are, are a little small. You can't see them. You have tinted windows. You can't quite see them. It, the enforcement's going to be tough. This is not well thought out whatsoever. And the ticket, by the way, 250 bones if you're caught. Well, it's an HOV3. You shouldn't be having two people in the car, right? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because uh, we just mentioned the two kids in the back. I, I got a letter the other day from uh, a woman who said that this is going to be great for the soccer moms now. For, for us regular commuters... Who, who are trying to carpool with somebody else, they're the ones that are punished. But but soccer mom with the two kids in the back or the three kids in the back, she can keep cruising on the HOV lanes. Absolutely. All right. So I saw this letter in the Denver Post the other day, this letter to the editor. It's titled, What Good Are Inflated Tolls and Unused Express Lanes on I-25? So this is Paul Altman from North Glen, and he writes, I drive for a living, mostly a very congested stretch of Interstate 25 between 120th and the Interstate 76 interchange. I was thrilled to see flowing traffic during the period when new lanes were finally opened up last year before the toll lanes were actually put into place. As soon as the tolls went into effect, the congestion resumed. Ridiculously inflated tolls do nothing to encourage drivers to use them, thus negating the purpose of high-occupancy vehicles to relieve traffic and reduce emissions. These highways are funded by our taxes, so what do these tolls fund, and why are these lanes benefiting the wealthy commuters while the rest of us sit in traffic watching mostly empty express lanes go unused? What, what, these, what these tolls are funding is an open lane basically all the time because it's priced at a point where very few people can't afford to do it all the time. Okay. Absolutely. And, and I brought because I brought this point up when the lanes first opened, when the express lanes first opened on I twenty five. The traffic was moving great when you had four free lanes up there, all the way down into downtown Denver. Then the toll started, and that day, bam, the daily southbound traffic congestion started again, just like we've always had because of the tolls. And now we have fewer people able to use the HOV part of it because it's now from two to three. So you're going to have more of those drivers in the, in the regular lanes rather than, than the express lanes. They, yep. If they want an open lane all the time, then create the shoulder to do that so they can move emergency equipment or, or whatever the case may be. But you don't build roads to have an open lane all the time. No. That's the point, is that you build roads to be used. To handle the capacity at peak times. Yep. All right. So here's here's Megan again. Currently, we're at a situation where we can just operate and maintain our roads. We can't add new infrastructure. So we're looking at creative and innovative ways to add capacity in these critical corridors where we need to move people to work and play and and keep our economy going and keep our quality of life. So express lanes, being able to recoup some money to offset the costs of those lanes allows us to do that and to, to keep Colorado moving. If that's entirely true, then I want to know how many eons it's going to take to recoup the $120 million it's going to cost to build the express lanes on C-470. My, my gut tells me that the money they collect helps offset some of the maintenance and maybe some of the interest on the loans that they take out, but it's a tiny drop in a huge bucket. 
I, I'd like to see how much money actually is collected and then compare that to what it would actually cost if the state spreads out that money to all drivers. Uh, the, the, the registration fees to, to get the license plate for your car is already so high already um, that if you were charged an extra $5 on your $450 or $850 license plate fee, that's going to be pretty negligent at that point. Right. Then, then I think traffic would flow better for everyone and not just the select few that are going to pay for that privilege. I don't know. It's I'm getting all worked up here, Joseph. You need a drink. You need a drink with Megan. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I do. <laughs> Let's take a break so I can cool down a bit. Up next, the plan uh, Arizona has to make just a few of their highways safer. Not all of their highways, just a couple miles here and there. Yeah, that and, <laughs> that and much, much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. More of the Driving You Crazy podcast in a moment. You don't want me I'll just walk right out the door Play the game right from the start I trust you, you use me And now my heart's all torn apart I'm sailing Every once in a while, something that people may not know is that the amount of dancing and messing around that goes on behind the camera, like right before we're about to go live, like a lot of times I will be ready to deliver a snow report and I will be dancing just to keep warm. And I just really hope the camera doesn't come to me early because one of these days, the people of Denver and around the metro area are going to get a surprise that will change their lives. Jason Grenauer, only on Denver 7. The challenge is the weather. That's something that I'm still working on. I was reporting in Waco, Texas before this, so my skin is very, very thin. You know, getting out and seeing everything, kind of enjoying all of the landscape around uh, the metro area in particular, I feel like that's the biggest reward because you really didn't, I really didn't get that working in Waco or working in Casper, Wyoming before this. And so uh, that I think is the biggest reward and seeing so many people uh, and their face light up when they see Denver 7 come on scene. A lot of people who say, you know, I'm out here at this event because I saw your report and we were the only ones covering it Exclusively, that's something that I think is very rewarding. Amanda Del Castillo, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the Driving You Crazy podcast. Uh, This episode already, Joseph, has been voted as one of the best podcast episodes of 2017. We need a noisemaker soundtrack. <laughs> Where's the horns? Probably because it's one of the first and only podcast episodes of 2017 because it's so early in the year. So by default, I think we're in the upper echelon now of podcasts, right? By default or by uh, quality, I'll take it either way. Let me put it this way. We're not quite as bad as a Mariah Carey New Year's Eve performance. Too soon? Mariah was set up, man. A little bit too soon? Mariah, have you ever tried to do karaoke and you can't hear the music? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Mariah was set up, Team Mariah. Did you hear that she was possibly coming out of a uh, dispensary of I an did Aspen? see that. <laughs> There's no possibly. She wore a green dress so she could specifically hit the pot shop red carpet in Aspen. That was before, yeah, New Year's Eve. So, oh, Mariah. And then flying to New Year. All right. So I got a uh, press release over the break about uh, the new safety corridor go, uh, coming to a couple of sections of highways in Arizona. Now, they describe these safety corridors as highway segments that have more crashes, injuries, deaths than would ordinarily be expected. Over the next couple of months, Arizona is going to implement four safety corridors with the goal to reduce crashes, severe injuries, and traffic fatalities. 
okay, that's all fine and good, but why don't they do this all the time on all the highways in Arizona and not just a few of them some of the time? I don't know. That doesn't make much sense. The story says motorists will see new signs letting them know when they're entering these or leaving these safety corridors. And then there's other signs that alert drivers that there will be zero tolerance for violations in the corridor. Well, by all means, let's drive safely in the new safety zone and then drive like Lindsay Lohan when you're out of the safety zone, right? That's just, yeah. (laughs) The Arizona State Patrol says if drivers obey the speed limit and other laws, there will be fewer crashes. Oh, so that's how that works. Huh. Captain Obvious, I guess, has joined the Arizona State Patrol. He must have went to school for that or something. They say this is a pilot program that will remain in place for at least one to two years. After that, the partner agencies will review their effectiveness and consider whether to add safety corridors. Yeah, like making every highway in the entire state of Arizona a safety corridor. How hard is that? Isn't that their job? Isn't that what they're supposed to be doing? Don't you want to be a fly on the wall when the guy came up with the idea? Like, what if... Maybe safety corridors. Because they originally, well, let's do a safety lane. No, 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 no. That's just, that's too little. We need to do the whole corridor. <laughs> All the lanes are included. We're going to really enforce just the traffic for this laws one sec- here. Yeah, just for this one section, though. Not all of it. We can handle this much. That's all. In fairness, there's only four roads worth driving on in the state of Arizona. And, so. and they are? I All the ones in Phoenix. I yeah, not through saying. Kingman. Exactly. Yikes. That's a rough one right there. Uh, So I received an email from a woman who lives in the small metro Denver town called Foxfield. Uh, I I would be surprised if many people in Denver actually know that there is a town of Foxfield. This was the first time that I had heard of it was this story. it's It's a little over a square mile in size, about 800 residents or so. They have large plots of land there, so some residents have horses. It's like country living in the city, if you will. Uh, one of the roads that leads out of Foxfield is Richfield Street. It, it's like oh, it's a one lane going north, and there is no dedicated left or right turn there, so the drivers have to wait in single file line if someone is going to make a left turn to go through that intersection. All right, that's that's pretty typical for a lot of intersections, right? right. So this woman who emailed me said she contacted Arapahoe County Public Works to see if they would put in a dedicated left turn and left turn green signal there. Okay, well if anybody knows anything about government or even about public works, then you know you just can't say, well, let's do this thing right now. It's not like a, a private business. You can't just change the, the sign that you, you have from the front of your building or wh- whatever it is. That's not the way government works. Right. There are procedures that have to be followed. There's guidelines that have to be looked at before anything can be changed. Some people call that a bureaucracy. Ooh. Uh, this woman in an email to me says, for the past six months or so, the light exiting Foxfield heading north will not change to red. Quote, There is no way to get out of our neighborhood, unquote. She says she's been talking to the mayor of Foxfield and to Jerry Mashka, who is the traffic operations manager for uh, Arapahoe County, and and says to me, she's getting a bit of the runaround. She adds that she has to drive south to get out of Foxfield. But she just said, quote, there's no way for her to get out of her neighborhood. Right. Now, before we talk about the intersection... There are ways for her to get out of her neighborhood. One, the the way she just mentioned. Without giving her exact address from her home, she actually has to go about two football fields to the next street, turn right, go about one and a half football fields to uh, Richfield, and then about six football fields to Arapahoe Road. I mean, we're talking less than a half a mile, and it would take maybe two minutes. Maybe, right? Okay. Now, there's a street just to the east of her called Waco that has two dedicated turn lanes to go from the Foxfield neighborhood 
onto westbound Arapahoe Road, right next to a big church. That's why they have the dedicated turn lanes there. It's a touch over a mile, so she would double her commute from a half mile to one mile, but she would have a much safer intersection. To me, that's problem solved. Right. Or stayed at the light for a minute until... Either way. So there are ways out of her neighborhood. Right. There's also a way out to the west that takes her down to Parker Road going north back up to Arapahoe. That, that is just maybe a touch over a mile drive. Again, a safer way to get, uh, t- to get out of the neighborhood. So her assertion that there are no ways out of her neighborhood is completely false. Richfield is just the closest way out for her and her home. Now, the intersection Kathy is talking about is going north on Richfield, turning west on Arapahoe. That road turns into Buckley Road to the north of Arapahoe. And that intersection out of Foxfield has a small little raised divider there. So it's this little raised area. And it's only one lane to go either north on Buckley, or you can make that left turn or right turn on Arapahoe Road. Okay. So this is what Kathy wrote in one of her emails to Arapahoe County Public Works. As a 22-year resident of Foxfield, I find the design of this intersection was negligent with little regard for the law or the safety of Foxfield residents. The defects and poor road design on top of the recurring malfunctioning or defective signal lights make this intersection seriously hazardous to use during rush hours. If this matter is not resolved, any accidents will be the fault of the county engineer or planner. Why can't the current street width on Richfield Street at Arapahoe Road be altered to accommodate a dedicated left turn lane for this northbound approach? This was done at Waco by the church. Wait, wait, wait. Because it has already been, it's already been done. So why spend the money for another rebuilt intersection so close to the one there at Waco by the church? All right, resume. Kathy from Foxfield continues. I believe many Foxfield residents opt not to use this intersection as it is such a risk during rush hours. Imagine that you lived in Foxfield. Would you still feel that not being able to safely exit your own neighborhood is of a higher level of consideration than possibly negatively affecting other areas of the transportation system? Wait, 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 wait. The, the wants of one do not supersede the rights of all. Uh, I'm glad that other residents acted pragmatically here and found a safer alternate route because it seems like that's what's happening here. All right, resume. Is the next option for Foxfield to consult with an attorney who can assist the county in investigating better alternatives? Oh, sounds like she's threatening the county with a lawsuit using city funds. I wonder if she has that authority. Kathy continues, your department, the Apartment County Public Works, is in charge of this road and has a responsibility to remove hazardous obstacles in a timely manner, not waiting for a defective roadway, fatality, and wrongful death lawsuit. That is just plain wrong. Fox, the, Foxfield is in charge of that south part of the intersection. Arapahoe County takes over on Arapahoe Road and on Buckley, but it's just plain wrong. That's just plain wrong. Well, and it's the tone, man. Like, somebody's going to die at this intersection, so you better fix it. There's no proof of that. How many? I'm sure you didn't pull the numbers on this, but I would guess that there have been zero fatalities at that intersection in the past decade. The letter, this letter, that that portion, that portion of the letter, it was written to Jerry Mashka. He's the traffic operations manager in Arapahoe County, who replied to Kathy saying the existing street width can only accommodate one lane of exiting traffic. This is why that current traffic signal for the northbound drivers is limited to just that one single green. Uh, light there for the shared left, what he calls it, a left through and right movement. Now, doing his due, doing his due diligence, Jerry personally visited the intersection. He watched the drivers there to see how the traffic flows in all directions. He did notice that the drivers going uh, turning left out of Foxfield are waiting 
for the right turners from southbound Buckley to go west in Arapaho before they make that turn. And that could have created some of that backup on that northbound side of Richfield. But he said the number of vehicles is extremely small compared to the rest of traffic in that intersection. Get this. They counted 32 vehicles making a left turn from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. during the morning rush. 32 one person every three minutes. So we're, we're talking about rebuilding an entire interchange for 32 vehicles when you have another perfectly good interchange and a safer one uh, another half a mile away from where this woman lives. Yikes. When I followed up with Jerry, he told me he would not recommend a dedicated northbound left turn lane or any other signal timing change at this time. He said, though, in order to build a dedicated turn lane, if they were going to do that on that south side of the interchange, it would have to be rebuilt at a considerable cost, and the work would not be county responsibility, but would ultimately fall under the town of Foxfield to build. And I presume it would be one of the biggest public works projects in that little town's history if they actually did that. Probably true. Jerry did recommend, though, that they restripe part of the intersection to help maybe make the drivers turning north feel more comfortable turning left at the same time as the southbound traffic is turning right. Uh, Jerry also said he would consider a left turn yield on green overhead sign for northbound drivers, but he warned that any change to existing infrastructure, they need to be able to show that it's not going to negatively affect other areas of the system, like Rapaho Road or the Buckley, because I mean, there's so many other vehicles traveling through that interchange to, to, to completely rebuild it or rechange it for 32 vehicles coming north. Now, in light of our HOV3 conversation earlier, perhaps they should build the left turn lane and then charge you to use it. Hey, now you're thinking. I'm solving problems over you here. You are solving Kathy, problems. call me. In her final response, in Kathy's final response to me, she questioned when the traffic count was done. So she thought it was done over the, uh, the holiday break and that the traffic count wasn't quite right and that she would rather have it done here when school was resuming. And I, I'm pretty sure this, it, it happened before that. If the kids are out of school, government's probably off, too. Let's yeah. uh, and so in her final response, she was also still upset that the county won't just build the dedicated turn lane and thinks it's unlikely that Foxfield will do anything about it. Okay. I'm pretty sure about that, too. I I think the county went above and beyond to look at this issue, and Jerry came up with a well-thought-out and logical solution. It it seems like it would work for everybody. The Rolling Stones, I think, said it best. You can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you get what you need. In this case, you get an alternate route out of your neighborhood using the safer double-left turn at Waco, or you go south and west, and you get to a, a Parker Road and then up to Arapahoe Road. That is probably the best option at this point. Right. Don't don't ask the county to build you a road because you want it. it, it that's what it comes down that's to. That's what it comes down to. Uh, hey, maybe they can repave my driveway. I see a couple of cracks in there. <laughs> would that what, be if a, a fata- what if I trip on one of those cracks in my driveway? Would that be a county situation or a town situation, Jason? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to ask Castle Pines about that. So I think maybe should that put the bow on this episode of the Driving You Crazy podcast? I believe so. All right. We'll be back next week with another jam-packed episode, already working on some of the stories for that which should be uh, interesting. Um, of course, we want your feedback all the time. We want your feedback. You can always write us an email at the uh, on Gmail. We have a Gmail account. It's drivingyoucrazypodcast at gmail.com. That's correct. We've got a Twitter. Uh, both of us have Twitters. Jason is Denver 7 Traffic. I am Joseph Denver 7. And I'm Joseph Peters, your overnight producer. Yeah, that's right. And I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. And be safe. And as always, happy motoring. You've been listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber.